Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, this is Ibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I'm also the host of Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight, and I'm the editor of the anthology, which you should run out and buy, called Moms Don't Have Time to, a quarantine anthology. All proceeds of that book go to COVID-19 vaccine research. And I'm the editor-in-chief of Moms Don't Have Time to Write, a new publication on Medium, and we're accepting submissions, so please send your personal essays there. And if all that isn't enough, you can follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens, and my website is zibbyowens.com. Okay, now back to this amazing podcast. Billy Baker is the author of We Need to Hang Out, a memoir of making friends. Billy is a staff writer for the Boston Globe, where he writes narrative features and humorous columns. A native of South Boston, he's a graduate of Boston Latin School, Tulane University, and the Columbia Journalism School. He has received the Deborah Howell Award for Writing Excellence from the American Society of News Editors and was a member of the Globe team that was awarded the Pulitzer Prize for coverage of the Boston Marathon bombings. Welcome, Billy. Thanks so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss We Need to Hang Out, a memoir of making friends. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. We were just hanging out with Kyle, which is great because my husband, as we discussed, is like so good at keeping his friends more so than most I would say people, men, whatever, and is always like encouraging me to call friends. And so when I told him about your book originally, he just like glommed onto this and has recommended it front, right, and center. So anyway. That's fantastic. And he seems like a natural glue guy, like this phrase I use in the book of a velvet hook, like these things we need to find that are are the soft connectors, a way to be friends with our friends. Sometimes that velvet hook is a person, you know, it's the Kyles of the world who are like, 
let's get the band back together and then follow through on it. So I love it. I love the energy he gives off. Yeah, it's really amazing. Yeah. I think I'm much more in the camp that you kind of described of like, life is busy. We have our kids. We have our work. Like, yeah, there are good friends, but like, oh, wait, you moved to like to another continent, you know? Somebody was asking me about one of my good friends and I was like, oh yeah, no, she's one of my best friends. She lives in Seattle. And then like two minutes later, I was like, actually, I think she might have moved to Portland. <laughs> like now I'm confused. I have to check my, ca- like, anyway. So I feel like I have close friends and I love them and I, you know, but I, I I need to do a much better job. So anyway, your your book came at the right time for me too. So for anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about, can you tell what your book is about and then the fun story that you recount in the book of how this became a book? Sure, yeah. So I, it became a book because I was conned by an editor with one of the oldest lies in journalism, which is we have a story we think you'd be perfect for. And so I marched into the editor's office with my BS detector turned all the way up and I sat down and he said, I want you to write about how middle-aged men have no friends. And, you know, I mean, in a split second, I'm having this existential crisis, and he is prattling on about this epidemic that apparently is racing through America, this loneliness epidemic. And to be honest, I'm half listening to him at this point, but what he's laying out is is this startling thing that not only do we have this loneliness epidemic, but it has real dire consequences for not just your mental health, but your physical health. I mean, this guy's laying out a, a, a proposal in front of me that not having friends means I'm going to die earlier. I'm going to more likely to get cancer, whatever it is. And so I told the editor in that moment, one of the other oldest lies in journalism, which is I'll think about it. So the point of that was for me to justify my way out of this story and be like, no, I, I've got I've got plenty of friends. You know, I've got friends. I'm so lucky to have great friends all over the world. But in just a short walk back to my desk in the newsroom, it was like, oh, there's this guy. And I, God, I haven't seen him in six months. And then, you know, this person. And has it been a year since I've seen the person I call my best friend? You know, uh, things like this. And so I sat down at my desk and kind of committed to the story in the sense that I came to realize that I wasn't, there was nothing special about me. And that's why I was perfect to write this story. I was painfully typical. And the typical American male and American in general is kind of categorically lonely. So the, you know, so I write this article and then I kind of want to hide under my desk because in the article, I'm admitting to these things that aren't like cool guy things, you know, uh, uh, like, yeah, I've gotten to the point where I don't have any friends. I mentioned the article meeting this soldier guy who had a crew of guys that meet on a Wednesday night every every week. And I realized, you know, there were a couple one Wednesdays that came and went and it was like, I don't even have anyone to like call tonight, you know, to go have a beer. And on the surface, I'm doing a lot of things well. You know, I have a career and a lovely family and kids and things are going well. You know, I'm eating my vegetables. I'm going to the gym. But at the end of the day, it was I didn't have any friend time scheduled in my day. So I write this article, want to hide under my desk. The article comes out and it went crazy. It was the weirdest thing. It became, at the time, the most popular article the Boston Globe had ever published. Like the Boston Globe. And all of a sudden... <laughs> I'm the guy being dragged on NPR to talk about male loneliness. You know, all this stuff is swirling in my head. Like this wasn't, you know, I felt like the kid sitting alone in the cafeteria that was like, tell us how you feel. And so that article really kind of started this conversation at the time, the surgeon general, that was 
this platform, like this sort of loneliness epidemic. And I don't think many people were paying much attention to him. And then I write this silly article where I throw myself under the bus. Boom, this thing explodes. And right away, I, I started getting thousands of emails, but the emails were all the same. They weren't asking me for any more proof of this loneliness epidemic. They were like, okay, I acknowledge the cancer. What's secure? And so at this point, very selfishly, I'm like, I got to cure my own problems here, right? So I took on, you know, I committed to write a book, but the idea was, you know, I wasn't going to write a book about loneliness. I was going to write a book about friendship, about the problems with trying to fix this. So there's a lot of science of loneliness in it, a lot of science of friendship. And, you know, I, I set off on this journey. And initially, I mean, if I were to ask you, what's the cure for loneliness? The answer is simple. It's like friends. You, you need You need friends in your life. As we talked about before we came on the air here, I mean, but making that a practical thing, you know, making friendship a part of your daily life was tricky. And I'm one of these, you know, many people who I no longer live where I grew up. I moved to sort of that community to raise a family that made a lot of sense on paper. But at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, there were some dads I'd say hi to on the sidelines at a game or some people I knew from, you know, the gym or whatever it might be. But it it was I didn't have active membership in a tribe. You know, I, I had many tribes swirling around me, you know, my high school friends, my college friends, whatever it might be, but those were all the best once a year activities. So initially what I tried to do was to get those bands back together. And I worked hard at it, you know, and I, I put myself in vulnerable positions, which is not a something men are taught to be comfortable doing. And it worked for the most part. You know, I, I could say, I got the band back together. We're as close as we've been since we were originally friends. But, you know, the, the past is a nice place to visit. But if I wanted to solve my issues and reap the health benefits of friendship, I needed to have friends today and every day. You know, I needed friends in my current community. So I had to take on like the ultimate loser assignment, which <laughs> is to try to make friends, right? Like, so you you know, when someone's trying to come on a little strong, you're like, oh, this person just is so craving friendship. I'll, so. I'll tell you the best way to make friends, by the way, is starting your own podcast. And then you can make a friend like every half an hour. But uh, anyway, keep going. <laughs> no, I, I believe it. I, 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 I'm envious of podcasts in the sense that like, oh, you get to have these fun conversations all the time. right? I was actually, it, uh, I was just thinking to myself as you were talking, like you should do Dads Don't Have Time to See Friends as a podcast. <laughs> You have a great it, podcast it, voice. I'm not even kidding. Like I was thinking that's it'd be amazing. And you would like it would anyway, we can talk about it later. But that would be Oh, a, a I, I thing. would love that. But so anyway, so to speed up the sort of plot of this book, what what ultimately happened is I got sick of experts. You know, everyone's an expert at friendship, but in, in reality, I came to the conclusion that like no one's an expert or we're all experts, right? Like it, it takes effort, it takes, you know, it takes being vulnerable, it takes all these things. But what what helped for me was to kind of shift my focus and to do this awkward thing of try to make friends in adulthood, new friends, to try and make new best friends. And I felt liberated by hearing Mindy Kaling say on her, her TV show, she said, she had this great quote, which is that uh, best friend is not a person, it's a tear. And thinking of it that way, it was like, I'm not betraying my boys from the past by being like, you know what? I, I don't see you very often. I need a new best friend. I need people in that role. How do you get them? Well, I, being a, a tad too dramatic, decided I was going to send like secret invitations to a dozen guys and try and replicate this Wednesday night thing that I, I'd heard about from these older guys who live in, in my new town. 
And who were those guys? Those were all those people where, you know, I knew they liked me and I liked them. And we had that little spark. That's a term often reserved for romantic relationships. But they were the people we'd say, oh, we should get a beer sometime. And then, you know what, like we had, we got to load the kids in the car. You know, it's like, uh, when, when is that day? It's a polite gesture. The title of my book is We Need to Hang Out. And I feel like that's a phrase <laughs> that gets thrown about a lot. But how much does it mean? You know, it, it, it can be a directive. But so I set out to kind of create my own tribe my own squad, you know, a new squad. And ultimately it worked because I think those, the men I invited were all in the same category of like, yeah, I've got a lot of stuff going well, but I just don't have, I don't have that thing. I don't have the boys. So yeah, I created the boys. And I, and I have to say, I I started with a dozen guys. We're all still very close, but out of that, I've added four new best friends and they are the best friends I see and talk to every day, you know? And so they are- Every, yeah, really every day we we are. So today is a Wednesday when we're recording this. So tonight the texts are already flying. Like, what are we going to do? You know, and and we've we've made that sacred. You know, Wednesday night is like our thing. The the wives, the kids know that like dad's going to be MIA. He's got his thing, and whatever that thing is, I don't. It's it's we're floating many ideas about tonight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, so you're it, done with the mall at this point? Like no more mall? The mall, we were going to the mall for a little bit. We were doing then uh, this sort of this larger Wednesday night crew was happening in a barn. And then that was good because that had like, that was a neutral, you know, they, they, it's all in the book. But ultimately I realized that Wednesday night is a promise. It's a concept, you know, and we made this promise and some people made it back, you know, of the dozen guys that started originally, you know. Two or three are sort of very much in and out. There's a few that show up every half the time. And then there's a core group that are like, you know, this is important to me and I need this. And Wednesday night is now very often Thursday night and Friday night. And, you know, Monday morning, you know, we're we're old men now. So sometimes the easiest time to get together is at 5 a.m. for like a, a jog or something like that. So we're making it happen. And in ways I find impossible to explain, I feel like a happier, healthier, better everything because I've got, I've got friends. So that editor that conned me ultimately gave me the chance to give myself a wonderful gift. And I will say it's referenced in the book, but that editor took that as impetus and and got his own act together. (laughs) I love that. That was like the perfect coming full circle moment. Amazing. And I loved like when you're out in the field, like waiting for your impromptu high school reunion to get together and you're just like sitting there and you're telling us like what's in your head as you wait for them all to come. I mean, it's so relatable. It's like so funny. And, you know, this, this sort of, yeah, this putting yourself out there and like hoping that it gets returned and not really knowing that's not a great feeling. You know, it's hard. The discomfort of that is what stops a lot of people from reaching out or whatever. So Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
and it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Oh, throwing a party and worrying that no one's going to come. I mean, that is that is high level stress. But, you know, yeah, I will say this. Every time I put myself out there, the universe rewarded me. You know, like it, it, people accepted, it, it appreciated that I was doing it and that, you know, it made them okay. And all along, I've been the one just raising my hand like, I'm the loser here. You know, I'm, I'm the, I'm the the guy making this effort. Like, so if anything, it, I think men are very comfortable communicating via ball busting. So having me as the person that they could throw under the bus was a bonding mechanism. You know, like I feel like, uh, even still to this day, the Wednesday night will be like, Oh, what's Billy going to force us to do tonight? Meanwhile, like it's the highlight of their week, you know? I just don't think it would fly if I said to my kids and even Kyle, like every week I'm going out with my girlfriends. Like I go out with my girlfriends like once a, not one, more than once, like once a quarter or something like that. And I always feel guilty about it. But Well, maybe- let, let me say what the experts would tell you is that regularity is the key. If it is every Wednesday night, then life will find a way to revolve around it. You know, this is why things, Mm -hmm. the simplest things are the ones that work the best. The weekly book club or the sports league or poker night, whatever it is, you know, you know, that person's just MIA, that's their night. And so the, the, I find the, uh, the occasional one to be that much harder. I mean, my least favorite phrase in, in the human language is let's throw out some dates, right? Like that's like when, you know, (laughs) It's just not going to work. That's a polite way of saying we're, we're never going away for the weekend. Like there's zero chance that this yeah, lines up. I know. But, you know, even those annual events, if it's like every Labor Day or whatever it is, yeah, you know, then true. life finds a way around it. So I do have one friend and during the pandemic, every Saturday morning we would play tennis and it was great. And now I've like gotten to know her like all anew, you know, it's great. So, and now of course she's like across the street. I haven't seen her right? literally across right. the street. I'm like, I don't know. You know. <laughs> Ridiculous. But so, so I think that's a classic example. Like you need to find ways to be friends with your friends, right? And something as simple as tennis, you know, is it about the tennis or is it about, you know, what, what comes after the tennis, you know, the conversations and those in-between spaces. So there's something worth knowing. Which no, the, is conver- that- the conversation is the tennis. I, we talk the entire time. There's not oh, a you moment. Do. I love it. There's not a moment we're not talking. We call it like country club tennis at this point because we were like, <laughs> sometimes we don't even sweat. It's embarrassing. But anyway. No, but that it's the excuse, right? That's what yeah, these things the are. They, these are the, these, you know, soft connectors, these velvet hooks. But something very worth knowing for your listeners is that there's a fundamental difference in how men and women interact with each other, which is that women talk face to face and men talk shoulder to shoulder. So if yeah. you're looking to find those ways to be friends with your friends, 
be conscious of that. Like, you know, women, I think, are very capable of keeping friendships going over the phone. That's actually a documented fact. Men are terrible at this. You can get coffee. You you can sit there and you can start right away in this deeper level. Men, meanwhile, you know, if a man invites me to get coffee, I'm a little like, ah, yeah, let me check my schedule. But if they say, will you come over and help me cut down this tree in my backyard? Like, I'll be there in a second, right? Like, that's really and, funny. Yeah. That's you funny. know, and it's in our DNA somewhere. And this is what makes it natural for for men is to be in that shoulder to shoulder. And then maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, but you know, that's the space where the magic happens, where where you might say, Hey, how's your dad doing? You know, or maybe you don't. You know, my wife is always on my case because I'll come home from my Wednesday nights and it'll be like, Oh, how's so-and-so's mother doing? I know she's sick. And I'm like, yeah. it, it never came up. I'm I, I'm sorry. But you know, you read the room. I it didn't seem like they wanted to talk about it. What they yeah. wanted to talk about is, you know, who farted or whatever it is <laughs> we're doing. <laughs> oh my gosh, too funny. Yeah. You know, the only thing that what I was thinking when I read this that was like you know, the times in my life I know and like other people's lives when they are their most lonely, I don't feel like they necessarily know. And I know this is sort of, a, I'm not saying this very eloquently, but like, this is like about reconnecting, right? It's like, I used to have friends. I don't, I'm not making time for friends. This is how I need, this is why it's so important to make time for friends, to rediscover friends, to figure out who I want to be friends with at this stage of my life. And maybe those are new people and that's okay. But I feel like the times that people feel the most you know, worried or alone is when they don't feel they have access to a friend group. And then what do they do? And then of course your research is just like, oh great. Well now not only am I lonely, but now I'm gonna die. You know, so it's I like know. <laughs> and that's a bind. Loneliness begets loneliness. I mean, we all know that cranky old person that you go and try and be nice to them and they're they're awful to you, you know, and but that is that's the a symptom of the loneliness. I'd say, you know, I do hear from a lot of people who are Aren't, aren't, you know, just a, in, in the typical situation I described, but are, are chronically lonely. And it's the same solution. You've got to find a squad. And if you don't have one, you, you've you got to create one. And it, it's a simple, we know what these things are. These are, you know, everyone has their little thing they're in new. If you can find other people that are in new it, then you've already got something in common, right? And the internet, I mean, there are moments when I want to just take it out behind the barn and shoot it. But it, now it also comes with these benefits of, you know, if you are into collecting Pokemon cards as an adult, there's other people in your community that are into it, right? And you can find them and, and you're, you're at step one already. And, you know, re really step one is initiative, putting in the effort, being willing to be vulnerable. Step two is finding these ways to be friends. And if you start with that, Pretty soon the magic's going to happen. I wrote about this in the book, like the the only real so I, when I kind of took this inventory myself, the only real social time I had was at the gym. And the idea in my head that I was going to be one of these adults whose like friends were the guys from the gym, like it was like humiliating to this <laughs> like little Billy had of a uh, grown up Billy, but you know what? Like there I was. And so I had to do the even more awkward thing and be like, Hey, gym friends, do you want to <laughs> become real life friends? And you know what? Like the answer was yes, they did, you know? And so I, I should, we should talk about, you know, like the pandemic arrived in the middle of me, you know, sort of taking on this issue and, Obviously, it was bad to change things. I think it made us more appreciative. But what I feel like I'm seeing now, I, I, you know, when I'm on a podcast or whatever, and they're asking me, like, what do I think the impact will be? I think I'm already seeing the impact. I feel like 
and I'm just a naive optimist, I feel like we are entering this new golden age of friendship. Like I feel like people are conscious of why they need it and they're making the effort. Like, I mean, now I just feel, I see so many new things happening and maybe they're all new because we're locked in our houses for a year, but I think we have never been more aware of the importance of friendship in our lives, the impact of loneliness and the need to do something about it. So I wrote a book, it has a semi corny title of We Need to Hang Out. It is, a, it is great if you want to, if you are like many guys, you struggle for a way to say, hey, I miss you. You you do, like some guy just asked me to like sign a bunch of, you know, what are these called? Book plates for their friend and talk trash about him so he can mail it to his friends that he misses. And yeah, so this book is written for the sort of guy that probably doesn't read a lot of books. <laughs> it's also written for his wife, Okay. <laughs> There are many books about female friendship. I'm really not aware of many about male friendship, especially delving into the science and the psychology and why we're so screwed up and also why women are so much better at it. That that was one of the most wonderful things to try and explore because when I first started, I just kept hearing women are better at friendship than men. It was like, oh, why? Okay, I'm just... As a man, we are constantly told that women are better than us at all these social things. And you know what? you are better. And there are there are really cool biological reasons why you're better. And there's also vulnerability reasons why you're better. So I did a lot of spying on women with the goal of trying to steal something and take it back to the boys cabin and be like, this is what they do when we're not around, you know, but I think this journey was the science the sociology and just the, the personal growth was like, the most fun I've had in, in a long time. And at the end of the day, I have friends for a Wednesday night. So That's amazing. My last question is what advice you have for aspiring authors. And I know as a journalist and now, you know, this big deal author that you are with this book, you have stuff to share. So go for it. <laughs> well, I'll say this, I, you know, I wrote 1 trillion newspaper magazine articles in my life. And I thought the publishing world was just this dark art. You know, like I didn't know how you ex- access it. I knew it involved like agents and proposals and it seems very frightening. And then, you know, I mean, I just was in a bookstore one day. I was like, ah, you know, it's not, it is, you know, not everyone is Hemingway, right? Like we, we can do, you know, it, you can get in the door, but I mean, the hardest part of of any writing project is sitting down and starting, right? And not being too precious about it. I mean, the opening of my book is me calling myself a loser, okay? And it, and it worked. So yeah, I think the writing process for the book, I was shocked at how much I enjoyed it. Because when you open up that blank document and you're like, oh God, how, how long does this need to be? But each day was like a, a fun little growth period. And you know, I, I feel like I wrote it for me. It was, it was, I was very privileged to be writing about a personal journey that I was kind of forced to go on because of this book. But, you know, I think, you know, I, I'm not the first person to give this sort of advice. But I mean, if you're writing for yourself in your own joy and, you know, I had these psychopath moments where I would laugh at my own joke that I just wrote down, you know, it was like, yeah, I'm having fun with it. Hopefully the reader will as well. And, you know, that's all you can ask for. I wanted to see if I could quickly find I laughed out loud like three different times within the first five minutes. But now, of course, I won't find it. And now it's the end anyway. But I wasn't kidding about the podcast. If you have any interest in talking about it. I would, it sure. I would love let to. Let me know. Yeah. I think that could be really cool. So, okay. Great. Great to meet you. Well, this was super fun. Great to meet you as well. I love the color-coded books. I used to do that. And then it just, it got messed up. And then it was no going back. But I love it. 
I don't touch it. I just leave it. <laughs> I don't even and use most, that wall. <laughs> I'll tell you, after I color coded my books, I realized most books are white. Yeah, I can see it now. They well, that's are, good. I, All the white books are actually over here because I had to just like shove them in after I ran out of space. But anyway. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Very cool. All right. Well, have fun tonight. I can't wait to hear what you did. <laughs> Thank you. And yes, if you if you want to chat about podcasting, I'd love to. Yeah. I really would. Okay. I'll email through your publicist or something. Okay. Thank you. All right. Bye. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.